The following message is brought to you from Gathering Community Church, located in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. And now, here's Pastor Benji Simmons. These guys can still sing some of those great hymns, can't they? I know we do a lot of contemporary music, but it was kind of refreshing. I'd ask them to put together something in relation to prayer today, because that's what I'm speaking about. It's about intercessors. 
or intercessory prayer. And it's based on the book of Exodus in Exodus chapter 32 in verses 9 through 14, as well as Exodus 32 verses 30 to 34. And we'll read that in just a moment. As you look at the book of Exodus, you can't help but see that the main character or the two main characters of Exodus is God and Moses. And you look at the life of Moses and everything that he encountered and all that he was able to do, the faith that he displayed, the leadership skills that he also exhibited, uh, the attitude that he had toward God as well as toward the people and the nation, what he felt about holiness and those things that were unrighteous. You look at all those things in Moses' life and you can see why he became an intercessor for the nation of Israel. He cared about what he, he taught. He cared about the people he stood before. He cared about a nation and he wanted the nation to love God and he wanted the nation to fall on their knees and worship God every day. He wanted the nation to believe that God could do amazing things. He wanted the nation to believe that God it could tackle any situation that comes up in their life. He believed that. And so Moses was a man of prayer. He was a man of confronting God. He was a man that believed in God. He was a man that was transformed because of God. And he stood there as a representative, as an ambassador for the nation of Israel, but more importantly, the ambassador as a believer of the Most High God. And he stands there as an intercessor for the nation of Israel. And so this message is about Moses being that worthy example. It's also about encouraging us to also think about our role in the ministry of intercessory prayer. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 9 through 11, I'm actually jump back to verse 7 because that's really in the context of that passage. The Lord spoke to Moses. Isn't it great to know that God speaks? If he speaks to Moses, that means he can speak to you. All right, the Lord spoke to Moses. Go down at once, for your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. They have bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, this is your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Wow, Moses is scratching his head. That's not what they were doing when I left. <laughs> the Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. And I'm sure Moses said, you're not telling me anything new. <laughs> now leave me alone so that my anger, this is what God says, leave, leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Now that probably just got Moses to a point in which he was just dumb, dumbfounded. Do you want to repeat that, Lord? What did you say? You mean you're going to destroy them? You're going to wipe everyone out? So when I come down off this mountain, I'm going to be alone. No one's going to be left. They're going to all die. But Moses interceded. Something happened between verse 10 
In verse 11, But Moses interceded with the Lord his God, Lord, why does your anger burn against your people that you brought out, you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn your great anger and change your mind about this disaster plan for your people. And then he says, Remember that you swore to your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel by yourself and declared to them, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give your offspring all this land that I have promised, and they will inherit it forever. So, Lord, change your mind about this disaster. He said he would, that he would bring upon this people. So do you see what Moses is doing? He's standing before God and he's pleading the case for the people. Even though Moses agrees that they are stiff-necked, that they have turned uh, the, the opposite direction in which they intended to be, they had caved into the sins of their life, and Moses is standing there and he's, he's just, he's baffled. And he says, Lord, no, please don't. All right, now let's... Look down in verse 30 that gives all this indication. Now, the following day, Moses said to his people, You have committed a great sin. Now, I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I will, I will be able to pay for your sin. Now, listen to what Moses does. Not only is Moses an intercessor, not only is he pleading his case before God in heaven, he goes back to God and he says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, this people has committed a great sin. They have made for themselves a God of gold. Now, if you would only forgive their sin, but if, you, if not, listen to this, please erase me from the book you have written. You hear his request? He's saying, God, I'm willing to go to hell for these people if all of these could live. Wow. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will erase from my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. See, my angel will go before you. But on the day I settle accounts, I will hold them accountable for their sin. Wow. The intercessor is one who stands before the presence of Almighty God and makes request on the behalf of another. Moses is one of the most beautiful and notable examples of when you talk about what does an intercessor look like. The most memorable recorded event in all of Scripture is this event where he stands before God on behalf of the people during the moral crisis at Mount Sinai. You see, people had forgotten the goodness of God. They had entered into such flagrant action of sin that they put their, the, the life of the entire nation in jeopardy. Their transgression against the Lord and transgression so provoked the Lord that he was declined to destroy them all as a nation. It was Moses who saved the day. It was Moses who stepped up not because of his extraordinary administrative skills, not even his massive personality, not even his elegant message. He stood before God and he said, God, please, please 
spare these people. I know they have been sinful. And if, if, if need be, if you can forgive them, I'm willing to be the atoning sacrifice for their sin. Wow. Would you go to God and say to him, God, on behalf of America, I'm willing to go to hell so that America could live life. Would you do that? That is powerful, isn't it? I know. I'm the same way. I'm thinking, mm. His intercession saved the entire nation. His intercession, you know, helped to take that moral crisis and turn it into something that would have the people eventually turn back to God. We live in a moral crisis. We have it in our own personal lives. We see it in our nation. We see it in churches. We see it in denominations. We see it, you know, everywhere we go. It's kind of the time that man's for us to be the intercessors on behalf of someone else. As you look at the intercessory work of Moses based on these scriptures here, he stood before God under the shadow of Mount Sinai and he asked God to think about changing his mind, relenting. Some versions put, he asked God to repent. Now, many people get caught up in that because they think if you repent, you therefore you sin. He's not implying God is sin. He's just basically translation is, God, I know you've made up your mind, but is there any possibility I can help you change it? that I can help you look at a different situation here for these people. I care about them. I love them. I have, I have walked through the Red Sea with them. <laughs> I have brought them in through the wilderness. We have been eating locusts, and we have been drinking water from rocks, and we've been following clouds to get here. We're dependent upon manna from heaven. God, I love these people. I've been with them through thick and thin. Anyway, you can save them. So let's talk about the work of intercession. First of all, intercession is a work of passion. Intercession is a work of passion. Moses was obviously passionate. By this I mean that he loved and he felt deeply for what he was serving and who he was serving. Even though he can be tough when times demanded that toughness and we know that Moses was, he also had the capacity to be caring and loving. And when we read about this inspired chapter of this man, we understand his passions. And so let's look at the, the passion of Moses' prayer. First of all, what's, what's the thing that really captures his passion? First of all is the passion for God. Notice the passion that Moses had for God. And, and, and when, when God disclosed to Moses that what was happening at the foot of the mountain and that what his tension was when Moses got down off this mountain to destroy the nation, Moses' immediate response was, to seek the favor of the Lord God on the behalf of the people. Actually, God had offered Moses a whole nation. Now, let's go back to that request. He actually says this. Now, now this would probably entice many men and women in the corporate world. He says, Moses, I'm going to wipe out this nation, and then you are going to be, from you, I'm going to create a new nation. And you're going to be the father of that nation. 
You're going to be the CEO of this nation. You're going to be the president of this nation. You're going to be the leader of this nation. You're going to be set for life. Your retirement is going to be grand. You are going to be good. You're going to be well taken care of. So let me wipe out these people and I'll give you a whole new set of people. And Moses says, please, Lord, I don't want a new people. I want this same stiff-necked, rugged people that I've almost died for in the wilderness because I see in them something that I believe is great. And I see it is a great nation. And if you could forgive their sin, and if you have to take my life to do it, I'm willing to do it. That's his passion. He's got a passion for God because he knows God can take what looks like the worst of situations and turn it into something great. He says, why should your anger burn against your people whom you've brought out of Egypt? Why should the Egyptians say that, that these people were evil and they just wasted in the wilderness? Please, Lord, take that disaster out of the equation and let these people live. It is of interest that the first concern that Moses had was the reputation of God. He did not want the reputation of God to be spoiled among the Egyptians. So Moses is not trying to coerce God or manipulate him. He's saying to God, think about this situation like he really needed to think about it. And, uh, and he says, hey, what's the Egyptians going to think about you? So he's already thinking about the reputation of God. So he's defending God. And so that's his passion for God. Even though God didn't need Moses to do that, this basic in life of this intercessory moment is more than anything that anyone could ever dream of. And yet you can stand before God and, and represent someone else. And guess what? It can change their life for eternity. It can change things because prayer changes things and prayer changes people. I used to have a little plaque on my first, on my past, first pastor I had in, in my office. There's a little plaque with a little folding hands in that plaque. It was about that big. It said, prayer changes things and prayer changes people. And many times people come into the office and they'd say, listen, pastor, I'm going to give you a testimony of what prayer did for me. And many times I'd go, when we'd leave the office, I'd close the door and I'd point at that plaque. And then one day I had it and went to a second pastorate and carried it with me, had the same thing on the outside of the door. And then one day I shut the door and it failed. It was made of, you know, kind of ceramic and it broke. And I thought, oh my, what does that mean? You know, I'm trying to think of a spiritual meaning here. I've got <laughs> broken down at my feet. Yeah. But regardless of that, you know, that statement has always stayed with me. It used to be a statement on many billboards as you drive down the highway. Prayer changes things, prayer changes people. And so Moses knew that his intercessory moment was a moment of change. Not only for himself, but it was a change for the entire nation. It could change their circumstance. Why? For the good of the kingdom of God and for the reverence to the holiness of God to the moment of righteousness that could be delivered and be presented to, to God himself. So Moses had a passion for God, but he also, standing there as an intercessory moment, had a passion for others. He had a passion for God, and he had a passion for others, or he wouldn't have been praying that prayer. The passion is based on his love, his genuine concern, his predominant uh, well-being of his own life and his own ministry 
because he loved those people. The passion of love is not surprising in Moses' life. These people may have been surprised later when Moses said what he, what he did on their behalf, but it's not surprising because when you have a passion for God, you automatically have a passion for others. These people about whom he cares so much for have been given, has been given him such a hard time and ever since that, even all the way back to Egypt, they make accusation after accusation against Moses. Even when they're standing there at the Red Sea before it parts, they say to Moses, you brought us here to drown or to die? And then Moses watches the waters part, and then they run like scared cats across that path. No, I'm just kidding. It might, it might have appeared to be an opportunity that Moses says, you know, God, I like you thinking. It is an opportunity to start over. I'm tired. I'm a little bit stressed. I can't, I can't have enough anxiety medicine to get through this moment. I'm ready for you to wipe them out and start over. But no, he doesn't say that. He cares so, so deeply and so passionately for the people. He stands there in the presence of God and he seeks the grace of God to be poured out upon the people. It's almost like Moses is standing there saying, I need thee, God. I need thee every hour. I need you. I need you at this very second. I need you at this very moment of my life. The people need you more than anything. And I stand on their behalf and I ask you, God, will you please forgive them? Wow. There's no way we could ever overstate the passion and the love that Moses had for his people. And this is the work of intercession. The only people who ever become great in intercession are those who deeply care. And if you care about only yourself and you pray for only yourself, you will never know, know the joy and the pleasure of intercessory prayer, praying for others. The intercessor moves up to a new level because they move to a level of compassion. It is unthinkable to Moses that he could watch the people of Israel die. It's unthinkable to Moses that they would all face the complete judgment of God and him not do something. The only thing that was available to him to do was to stand basically spiritually naked before God and say to God, God, will you please spare these people? I stand here on their behalf. Please forgive them of their sin. Surely it must have been an unthinkable moment in Moses' life to ever go to the God who created the world, who created these people, who created their journey, who created their love for him. And it's unthinkable for Moses to even think that, that he could change God's mind. But he stands there and he's given it a shot. It was reported that John Welch kept his coat by his bedside at night, in the middle of the night, he would fall to his knees, wrap the coat around his shoulders, and he would begin to weep in prayer. His wife would say to him, Honey, you had better get your rest. You have work to do tomorrow. Old John Welch would answer, I have many souls at my charge, and I know not how to do anything else but to pray for all their souls. You see, 
it makes a difference when you and I begin to pray for someone who needs care. Most of the life that you and I can make the greatest impact and mark upon come from the scars and the calluses that are developed on our knees. You know, it was David Bernard, a missionary to the American Indians, that says, I love to be alone in my cottage where I can spend time and pray for all my fellow believers. In his journal, he left an impressive record of intercession. The earnest intercession for the Indians of the American frontier. He cared so deeply and compassionately for them, he literally used up his life in years, of, of the many years in prayer. And most of that life, as I said, was spent on his knees, intercessing, interceding for the Indians. His example flamed the fuel that lit the way like William Carey, who became the father of the modern missionary union and the missionary movement. Intercession is a work of passion. Second of all, intercession is not only a work of passion, but intercession is a work of boldness. Now, it took some boldness for Moses to stand before God and clear his throat and say, hey, God, I got something to talk with you about. You told me what, but I'm going to tell you what. It's kind of like a boldness. And yet, the inspired record of that intercession of Moses, we find the example of that boldness after he confronted the people concerning the golden calf, he rebuked Aaron for it. He goes back to God and he says, I'm willing to be the atoning sacrifice for these people. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? There's only one. The problem with Moses is Moses could never be the atoning sacrifice because he was full of sin himself. There was only one who could ever be the atoning sacrifice who was sinless, and that was Jesus. So we can learn from Moses' boldness. First of all, there was a bold confession. The next day, Moses said to his people, you have committed a great sin. He didn't, he didn't whitewash it. He didn't, he didn't cover it up. He says, now, but now I go up to the Lord and behold, perhaps I can make the atonement for your sin. So Moses has got a bold confession he makes to the people first before he climbs back up the mountain. And the next day, Moses finds himself climbing to the top of Mount Sinai. And when Moses arrives at the top, he made his prayer to the Lord. Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gold. They have made themselves gods from this gold. There is no attempt on Moses' part to deny the sinfulness of the people. There's nothing in Moses' part that he's trying to, to, to cover anything up. He admits it, and God knew the sin was great. He knew what the appropriate action had to be taken, but he heard Moses' solemn request even though God had made up his mind for that complete judgment. And you find examples after examples of bold confession throughout all the scriptures, and this is one of them that stands out. When Daniel laid his intercession before the Lord during the Persian period, he made such a bold confession for the sins of the people. This is another great intercessory moment found in scripture where Daniel represented the people. We stand before God on behalf of nation. We stand on God before our community, before our church, before our denomination, before individuals we love. And we ask God, will you, on, on, our, on, the, on behalf of this prayer, will you be merciful upon this soul or this nation or this people? 
A part of intercession is bold confession before God. Second of all is bold petitions. We've got to say to God not only the confession but the petition to realize that what what we pray for as we stand before God on behalf of someone else who sinned terribly against Him, we stand there and we recognize that there's nothing we can do to change what has happened. There's nothing we can do to change the outcome of what has happened, but we might can change the person's eternity as we stand there for God and before God. Moses prayed for mercy. Moses prayed for forgiveness. Turn your furious anger and relent. Do not bring disaster upon these people. I mean, that's a bold petition. God is the creator of Moses, and he's the one that got called from a burning bush that didn't burn up. And he was the one told that you're standing in holy ground so to remove those sandals. And Moses standing there not expecting God to work in his life, and God used him, and he'd go back to a group of people who ruled the world at the time of Pharaoh, and yet the people whom he had served for many a year go back to them now as a representative of the Hebrews and not of the Egyptians to stand before Pharaoh and say, release these people of mine. And now he stands there before God and he's saying, now release them of that judgment. If you stand there with Moses, you might want to go duck down or stand back for the freight of the lightning bolt that's going to hit. But here's a man speaking to holy God. He boldly asked the judge of the entire earth who knows the inward crevices of every one of our hearts. He asked them to completely grant them grace and not judgment. And yet Moses asked him, change your mind, God. The second experience of intercession on behalf of the people, he says, but now please forgive their sin, and if not, blot me from the written book. Wow. That is a strong request. And for him to have such a bold, you know, request of God was a willingness for Moses to die and be lived separated from God for the rest of his life in eternity. That was his prayer. I don't know if I've got the passion to do that. Say, I'd rather spend hell in hell my life from here on out so that millions could live. That's hard. What does it mean for God to blot out him from the book? As we said, it means, it means death. No way about it. Death, end, the end of Moses. You talking about dropping the rod? He's saying, I'm getting ready to drop the rod and run and just disappear. Moses indicated that, that he was going to see, he, he indicated he wanted to see the atonement of the sins of the people. That was his greatest desire. He cared so much that he was offering, to, offering himself as a sacrifice for all. But, you know, as God clears his throat, he probably says, Moses, man, you're a good man, and I hear your request, but there is no way in this world that you could ever be the spot, the, 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 the lamb without spot and blemish. There is no way you could ever be that atonement for these people. 
because you're just as full of sin as they are. He hears Moses. He sees his passion. So intercession is a work of boldness. It is a work of passion. And third of all, intercession is a work of power. Intercession is a work of power. Think about your prayer. Think about the things that you pray for. Never underestimate the power of an intercessor on his or her knees. They can literally turn the course of history. These prayers of Moses are a reminder to us of the prevailing power of prayer. It is a reminder to us that prayer does change things and prayer does change people. The prayer of Moses is a prayer that indicates the power of prayer with God. So think of this way. The prevailing power with God is seen in the intercessionary work of prayer. Moses was so persuasive in standing before God, not that God needed to be persuaded, but he was so persuasive as he appealed on behalf of his people so that God would withhold his hand of judgment. Does this mean that God is fickle? No. Is he constantly changing his mind on the basis of the prayers of his people? No. It just means in one instance that Moses stood there and he knew that the people of Israel was very important and the history of that nation was very important and he knew his work was very important and he asked God to be merciful. To keep it in balance, the great truths that are revealed about God in Scripture is that I would prefer to believe that when God shared with Moses what he would be justified in doing by destroying the nation, it was actually a loving invitation of Moses to become a man of intercessory prayer. When God is at work, we don't have to ask the question, am I supposed to join him at work? If we see him at work, it is our invitation. And when Moses and God was conversing back and forth, it was more Moses' invitation to confront God than it was for God to confront Moses. And so he gave him an opportunity to become a man of powerful prayer. And he realized that Moses was going to experience the power that was going to shake the foundation of that nation and was going to shake his very personal foundation as well. God is God and will remain God, and he didn't need Moses to remind him. God was going to be God and would continue to be God with or without Moses. So he gave Moses an opportunity to become a man of prayer, representing an entire nation of people, of millions of people who have sinned and fallen away from God, to stand there so that he could go back to the nation and say, get your minds in order, get your heart in order, get your feet ready, get your mind ready, get your heart ready, because you're going to serve God as a nation. That's the power of his belief that God could do something in prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In other words, the effectiveness of a person who believes in prayer, practices prayer, and is a righteous in their prayer can change the course of history. It avails much. The earthly perspective, as it appears to us, is God changed his mind. But from a spiritual perspective, it was the power of the intercessor that God was demonstrating how everyone who follows can do just as much powerful work as Moses did. So when you bow your heart and your, your mind in prayer today, 
tonight, maybe, as you go to bed. Remember that when you call out Abba, Father, as Jeff did in his prayer, and call him Abba, Father, you're praying to the same God that Moses prayed to. You're praying to the same God who said, I'm going to wipe this nation off the map. Is the same God who has the capability of doing that to you. And so it's very important that we stand before God in our unholiness so that we can become more holy. That we can stand before God in our unrighteousness so that He can credit to us the righteousness needed. The prevailing power of prayer is demonstrated through the power of with God as you pray for others. But second of all is the prevailing power for others. Not only with God, but now for others. Who benefited from the prayers of Moses? Did God become more God because of Moses? No. Did Moses benefit from that prayer? Yeah. After he got back and he realized that he couldn't shake anymore. But who really benefited? the very people that Moses loved, the very people that God loved. They probably never fully understood just how much they owed to Moses. If Moses could have gone back and said, guys, you, you, you have no idea how close you were. And I stood there and I pled with God for his grace and mercy. And God responded, don't go that direction again. Don't build you another idol. Don't turn your back on God because I don't know if I've got the courage to go back to the top of the mountain again. There is no way we'll ever know how, how much difference we can make in someone's life through intercessory prayer because it is the activity of God in the life of that person that can change the course of their history and yet it's not about us rejoicing in that. It's about God doing his work. Charles Finney was one of the most effective evangelists many, many years ago that probably ever lived on this American continent. What many people do not know about Charles Finney and, what, and why and how he had such an effective ministry was because of a friend to him his named Father Nash. Father Nash was a man who always prayed for Charles Finney to the point that three and four days before Charles Finney showed up for a crusade or an outdoor event or an evangelistic message, it was Father Nash who went before him three and four days prior who would be interceding on behalf of Charles Finney and the messages he was going to preach. During his revivals, there would be victory after victory after victory. His souls would be saved. Mr. Finney, that great evangelist, you know, actually, uh, but actually when he, he got to heaven, um, probably if, if he could have asked God, what was the secret of success of my life, he would have pointed to Father Nash. Because it's through the intercessory prayer that made the difference of Charles Finney's ministry and everyone else who benefited. I can tell when you pray for me, you should be able to tell when I pray for you or when others pray for you. You ever had that moment and you realized, wow, I went into this so nervous or I went into this so apprehensive or I went into this with great nerves or whatever, 
And after going through it, you realized you had a sudden peace, that you had the words to say when you needed to say them. You had the strength to go through in your weak moments. And then later someone says, oh, I was praying for you such and such day. And you realize, wow, that's why I got through it. You see, every church needs intercessors. Every community needs intercessors. Every nation needs intercessors. So I ask you this, would you ask God to give you the privilege of being such an intercessor? Will you ask God to give you the privilege of joining in on behalf of others to represent others, to represent a community, to represent your place of employment, to represent your school, to represent a daycare, to represent a church, to represent a business, and to pray. Who knows what will happen? Who knows what can happen? I can tell you story after story after story of the amazement of prayer I've seen in my life, but it doesn't even compare to the fact of the real power of God at work in this world. So if you have a passion for someone, or you're being called to represent them in prayer, it just may be that's the invitation that God has given you to become an intercessor. So will you become that today? Change the course of history in someone's life, or yet change the course of the world's history. There's a lot to be in need of prayer about, isn't it, in our day's world? Thanks be unto God that we can stand before the God of creation and talk to Him on behalf of another. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank You that we can bow our heads and our hearts before You today and to know the power and the greatness of our Creator is beyond our human imagination. It is hard for us to even wrap around and and conceive in our hearts all the power that is made readily available through who you are. So, Father, today we represent our nation, and we ask that you would bring a revival among the people, that hearts will become melted before you, that Jesus would become real, and a nation that once was started on the foundation of great faith will become a nation that stands once again as a beacon of faith for the entire world. We pray for our world and all the upheaval and the meanness and the evil that exist. We ask that you spare the people from the destruction of the judgment of their own life and the sin of their life to bring about peace and eternal security that in relationship to you will happen even to the world that is heavily Muslim world or a world that is completely off track in worshiping some other God, that you would display your face before them and they would humble themselves before you. We pray for our community, that our community in which we live will become a community that makes a difference in love and care. As, we, as you bring the people to us in this community from all over the world every year, year after year, to vacation and be here, that we as a community of people 
can help change the course of states that are represented each and every week. We pray for our church, that our church will become a church that loves you greater than what we can love you today, more passionate for you than we could ever dream of, and more caring than we could ever even think. That you would, and I stand here as well, and we pray for our own selves, that our lives will be holy before you and acceptable before you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing a song uh, together. What a friend we have in Jesus. Is that in the tune of the rose? It is? All right. Let's stand together. Let's sing this morning.
You've been listening to The Worship Cast, brought to you from Gathering Community Church, located in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. For more information about our church and its ministries, please go to www.gatheringcommunitychurch.com.